Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Which coast? Traveling east to west... Aaron laughed. No, he did No. <laughs> Mark Gunnels. At the house on it. Chiefs coast to coast. Yo, what's up, Mr. Aaron Ladd? Man, they came for me this week. Oh, man, we're going to get to that real quick. Um, first of all, thank you guys for tuning in. For another special episode of Coast to Coast with me, your host, Mark Gunnels, and my great co-host, the Michael Jordan of the show, Aaron Ladd. Wow. What what did I do to deserve? I feel like you just rolling out the red carpet just to just to pull it on me. I'm waiting I for I mean, it. you know, um I got a question, got a couple of questions for you before we get started talking about Chiefs, you know? Um, my first question is, can you explain the experience? Because I saw the great 41 had you covering the Kansas Jayhawks parade. How was it? <sighs> I, I, we have to start with this, Mark. I mean, hey, man. We have- this will be the last time we talk KU hoops until the fall or the winter time. <laughs> so I got to get my last punches in because after this, it's going to be irrelevant. Hopefully they we never in the history of Chiefs Coast to Coast. This is episode nine. I went back and looked at and looked at our counter. Hopefully we will get to episode nine hundred without having to mention the Kansas Jayhawks ever again. But yes, I was there. I was in Lawrence for the championship parade. Uh, once in a lifetime opportunity. Uh, I'll just put it that way. You know, uh, uh, I'm fortunate to be able to be in a position where. I get to call some of these things work, and let me tell you, Mark, I earned my dollar covering this Kansas national champion. It's cool. Glad that they glad they got it. Congratulations! I mean, against are all you really, of, are you really glad they got it? I mean, do you want the truth or or you want cap? Which one do you want? We want the truth. We talk the truth here on Coast to Coast, man. <laughs> don't don't give me that PR answer. Y'all already know the vibes then. I mean, hey, you know, you already know. Well, what's understood doesn't have to be have to be said. You know? <laughs> what I find funny is people actually have mistaken you as a KU supporter on Twitter, which is uh, gets to my next point before we talk Chiefs here. Can you explain to me? Because last night, you know, I was just on my couch, sipping some wine, watching some baseball. The wine. And I just happened to see on my timeline from a couple of people the hashtag 
fire Aaron Ladd. So I'm like, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I know my boy didn't do anything to get in trouble. So can you explain what happened with this hashtag? Because it kind of took off my timeline. Uh, it's always some Twitter foolishness with this show, man. It's always, some, whether it's our audience or, or people who feel like they could just, uh, you know, run with things. We were referring to the Missouri Disc Golf National Champions. They swept the national championship on men's side and women's side. The University of Missouri Tigers are your national champions in, in D1 disc golf. Hell of an accomplishment, Mark. I mean, I know KU has has a parade for their, their basketball team. It's cool and fine and dandy, whatever. But uh, we got we got back-to-back in the, in the city of champions of Columbia, Missouri. And, uh, you know, there were some chuckles about that on, on 41 Airwaves and – you know, not everybody reply. Not everybody responds. You can't make everybody happy, man. You, you know that more than anybody. Uh, you, you know, no matter what you say, somebody's gonna be salty, and and I'm happy to report I have not been fired yet. Thankfully. Thank goodness. Thank goodness. Well, thank you for being a good sport, Aaron. I really appreciate the open here. I, I love how you can take the punches and roll with it, man. You're such, you're, you're a pro's pro. You know that. You're just a pro's pro, man. That's that, that's wild. I can't believe you started off. You started off the pod with foolishness. You are Chris Paul today. You are point guard today, and you already throwing up some. some yeah, stuff. man, I'm the point guard today, so I will be running this show, and I'll be throwing all the assists to my great wingman, my great scorer, Devin Booker. Since I'm Chris Paul, I'll take that. Book is nice yeah, I, for I'll sure. The next, the next edit for the show, the next little, uh, <laughs> the next Photoshop. We'll have to get we'll have to get a Booker going. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Okay, so let's talk about what we need to really talk about on this show. I mean, it's a Chiefs show, I think. You know, I for, almost forgot for a second. Technically, it would it wasn't no Chiefs news this week. I appreciate y'all coming in here to rock with us. <laughs> oh, it ain't no Chiefs news. The show's over. We're done. No, I'm just playing. I'm just playing. Okay, so there was a pretty big article that came out in the KC Star last week from the great Sam McDowell. He had a nice sit-down, a very exclusive interview with the one and only Tyron Matthew, Honey Badger. It was a very unbuttoned interview, uh, very raw. The quotes in here are pretty interesting, to say the least. And I can finally admit, Aaron, that 1% is now officially 0%. Wow. Finally. Of Tyron Matthew returning to Kansas City. Yo, it this- was always 0%. Come on. Hey, this article put the nail in the coffin officially. So if you guys haven't checked it out, make sure you guys check it out. It's a great article in the Kansas City Star with Sam McDowell and Tyron Matthew. But I want to break down a few of these quotes and get your reaction. The first one that obviously stood out that I think people probably already saw on memes and things of that nature is Tyron Matthew talked about how he was not, he didn't receive a contract offer from the Chiefs. He said, quote, Bro, I was depressed, heartbroken, heartbroken. I could not understand it. I could not, man. And he continued, to be honest, if they would have offered me Justin Reed's deal, obviously I would have tried to negotiate. But if that's where they drew their line in the sand, I probably would have took it. I probably would have took it. Agents are going to do their thing. But at the end of the day, it's the player's decision whether to sign it or not. What are your reaction on this? 
It sounds like a lot of hindsight to me. And we talked about this on 41. I'll try to have a little bit more room to, to explain it here on Chiefs Coast to Coast. Uh, the dust has settled in this relationship. Both sides have moved on. As we previously assumed, it's, it's now official, as Mark Gunnels kind of touched on. And now we're entering different stages of coping with the breakup. At first, maybe Tyra Matthew was angry, and that's why we saw some of the subtweets that came uh, in the early days of free agency and kind of in the offseason. Now we're into the acceptance phase, Mark Gunnels. Now he realizes, well, you know, uh, I'm hurt. I'm heartbroken. You know, we had something special, and, it, and it's no longer that. Uh, and the quote that you mentioned, the, hey, I would have took the Justin Reed deal. I just, I, I have a hard time. I have a hard time believing that is fact. I believe that is an emotional statement. I believe that is some, something that were, was said in hindsight. And uh, it, it, it's tough that it's come to this because we know how much of a, an emotional leader he is and how important he was to the defense for years and years. You called him a Hall of Famer through and through. Um, but at this point in time, it's cooked. It's done. Both parties are moving on. Yeah, I can agree with the hindsight here because when free agency first started, I mean, the Chiefs signed Justin Reed very, very quickly. The first week, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. So it's easy to say that now. But obviously, the fact that Tyron Matthew hasn't signed anywhere yet, and according to him, a tweet that he did delete, which we know he's known to do, he, he did say that he could have been signed somewhere, but he's going to create his own story, right? Basically, paraphrasing a little bit there. So, I, and I don't doubt that. I don't doubt that he's had contract offers out there from other teams. But it's very, very clear that he has a certain number in his mind. Or maybe he's just waiting at this point because it's already, we're getting close to the draft now. So, I believe he's going to wait till after the draft to kind of see what teams do as far as his position goes and see what the best fit is from that point on. Because like I, like I said, we're already at the draft, like we're two weeks away. So there's no point in signing anywhere now because nothing's going to change at this point. I think the biggest thing that came out of the McDowell piece, and it was really well done. Shout out our guy, Sam McDowell, a new columnist over at the KC star. been with them for a minute is now in a good uh, a new role with them. And I, I tag the article here in the spaces. If you're listening uh, on the podcast feed tomorrow or whenever, I, I'll put it up on, on my page. Um, it, it's the timeline for me, Mark. It, it, from the quotes that we got from Tyra Matthew in this, it makes it sound like he already knew what time it was last offseason. And he kind of uh, alluded to and poked around the fact that uh, he entered the 2021-22 season kind of knowing it would be his last year in Kansas City, and, and maybe it impacted his mindset. I don't know. I don't want to speak to saying it impacted his play on the field, um, but, you know, it's tough, man. When you're going through contract negotiations and whatever aspect of life, you feel like that number is associated to your value as a person. Uh, and, and because the two sides didn't reach a deal, it kind of seems like Tyron Matthew put that on his shoulders as like, Oh, well, they don't value me um, X, Y, and Z past this. And uh, it's not that it's tough that this kind of the social media stuff is, is involved with this as well. And I do think that's an important kind of layer to this onion here. Cause there are many so layers to this onion and with their relationship and that kind of thing. But 
this this article really just seemed like seemed like some hindsight mixed in with still some grappling with a new reality, if you will. Yeah, absolutely. And we're going to pivot here pretty soon, but I want to dive into a couple more of these quotes and kind of to your point, what you just said, I just want to paint this picture for the crowd. If you haven't read the article, Tyron Matthew did say, quote, I just knew last year people's appreciation for me was kind of going away. I took all that hard. I tried to stay in my routine. I wasn't going to be a bad teammate. That ain't me. In the back of my mind, though, I knew. So it's kind of what you referred to as far as he already knew before this year. And you can say that's not going to affect your play, but how could it not, Aaron? I mean, if you are really stuck in this mindset of knowing that this is your last year for a team that you helped win a Super Bowl with, you know, that you think is probably going to be your last stop. I mean, because he even said in the article, he's thinking, like, how am I about to be on my fourth team? Like, how did I get here? Because, you know, at that point, you're kind of reaching, do I say journeyman? I mean, I don't want to say that, but four teams, that's kind of a lot for a guy that's, a, I, in my mind, is a future Hall of Famer. And he's not even 30 yet. Like, he's just about to turn 30 years old. He's about to go to his fourth team already, Aaron. Man, we talk about tired Matthew this is episode nine at least five of these episodes have talked about uh portions of Tyron Matthews mindset and, and what he's meant to the Chiefs organization and all that good stuff uh it, it, it's an ugly ending but it shouldn't it shouldn't by any matter of fact impact what his legacy was here in KC and how he's looked at as far as a winner as far as a leader uh and what he meant to that championship team especially that was PRE. I'm gonna admit I'm, that that was a PR statement. I, I I actually just finished reading that from his agent. Oh, I'm about to say you sound like me right now. Hold on, hold on, <laughs> Yo, man. You let me let me just go ahead and make it crystal clear for those new listeners. Mark Gunnels is a Matthew. Like we we put the Superman the Superman jersey with McCole for me. Yours is three two, my boy. Go ahead and look at your first Instagram picture. <laughs> Yeah, man. Well, you know, he did unfollow me on this app, so uh, I, I don't know what that was about, man. I'm like, there was wow. a lot of that going. Don't take it personally. It's just business, my boy. Yeah, you know, I, I was hurt for like five minutes. It hurt me a little bit, but it's all good. But uh, before we move on, before we move on, I got one more quote I have to read, and I need your response to this, too. So after they lost to the Bengals, Tyron Matthew and Ward were sitting on the bench, just watching the celebration, talking, reminiscing. And here's what they said. Matthew said this to Ward. He said, man, did we just play our last game at Arrowhead? And Ward said, yeah, big brother. I think so, big brother. We're going to see, though. Your thoughts? Bro, we had this discussion on the pod after the AFC Championship game. You don't get that emotional post game without knowing what time it was. And it's tough. A lot of it comes crashing down. The emotions of not being able to to finish the job, the emotions of, you know, all the hard work you put into the season. And then on top of that, the manner in which you lost in the AFC title game, uh, especially considering how rocky the road was this most recent year, like through seven weeks. You know, if you would have told them that they were to host an AFC title game, I mean, some people would have would have laughed in your face. But it, it's. It, it, it it's not like it's not like 
15 is walking out the door. Uh, I don't know how to say that any, any more lightly. I mean, Tyron Matthews is a great piece. Uh, I, I think the market has told you something, and I think Kansas City has also told you something at the same time. And maybe that's what really stings. Maybe that's what really, at the end of the day, hurts is that uh, deep down, maybe Tyron Matthew knows, hey, you know, Father Time's going to win this battle no matter what. Yeah, yeah. I, I couldn't agree more. Uh, and like you said, the PR response you gave, none of this should affect Tyron Matthews' legacy in Kansas City. He's going to be in the, the the ring of honor. He's a future Hall of Famer in my mind. He was a big catalyst to turning that defense around during that Super Bowl run. So appreciate the good times. It's a business. Time to move on, Aaron. And you know what? We're about to move on right now with this next topic. Legereus Sneed. Yeah, your favorite corner. Aaron, Legereus Sneed. <laughs> he was on uh, NFL Network's Good Morning Football. He joined the show from Texas, where he's spending his offseason at. And he talked about the Tyreek Hill trade. He had this to say. That Tyreek and Patrick Mahomes connection was kind of special. But as he left, I know Andy Reid got something up his sleeve. I know that Patrick Mahomes and the guys they bring in are going to get together and build the empire they left off of. So the second part of that quote, had Chiefs Twitter kind of in a frenzy, had people sending the eye emojis because Sneed said the guys that they are going to bring in. Does he know something that we don't know? Who are they bringing in, Aaron? He's talking about a trade, draft. Does Sneed, is he in uh, Brett Veach's back pocket? Or are we thinking too hard here? Thinking way too hard. Why do we have to do this with every? little word why do we have to do this with every word that a player says <laughs> like this is why players don't say anything i understand why athletes don't say anything in interviews because y'all take one little word one little phrase out of context and then it's a year-long storyline oh but didn't you say we were gonna bring somebody like the chiefs bring somebody in that can mean anything that can mean they bring in a, a delivery guy off the street and give him a workout that could mean drafting somebody in the first round like Bring somebody in is so damn vague. Don't even start with this, man. This is peak off season. This is peak. Hey, man. Twitter. You know I'm the I'm the voice of the Twitter streets, so I have to ask these questions because people were sending eye emojis. What does Sneed mean by that? Does who is he working out with in Dallas, Texas? Does he is he recruiting? I mean, people want to know. Do you have any inside sources? Eye emojis. Let's go ahead and lay. <laughs> of Chiefs Coast to Coast on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. It's called Eye Emojis because Eye Emojis is the perfect emoji to say everything and say absolutely <laughs> nothing at the same time. Like, you can you can send Eye Emojis to pretty much any tweet kind of related to the Chiefs and get away with it. <laughs> <laughs> but no, seriously, though, to uh, Sneeze quote there, how confident are you in this Chiefs offense moving forward without Tyreek Hill? I know we kind of talked about it before, but just the, you know, it's, it's marinated now. It's been about a month. So how, how do you feel today about, let's say as of right now, I mean, we know, we know they're going to add, obviously. They're going to draft somebody, maybe even sign or trade for somebody, whoever, right? But as of right now, let's just pretend this is the receiving room they're going to have come September. As of right now, how confident are you in this Chiefs offense and Patrick Mahomes? 
if 10 is like over the moon confident best offense in NFL history and one is the New York Giants offense as as it's currently constructed uh I'm like a solid five or six man it's April dog who knows they're gonna have folks they're gonna move around I wrote something on Arrowhead Pride last week I mean I, I would love to see them add the combination of a, a vet running back through free agency and possibly a late round flyer just to kind of see what they got. I know they're going to have a lot of different flavors in their running back room. And uh, the running back to me is going to play so much of a, more of an important role without Tyreek Hill. They're going to have to be more balanced and they're going to have to have an offense that runs the football and is consistent and okay with running the football. But I mean, it's it, there. It's too many different moving pieces of the puzzle for us to just give them a blanket grade right now. It, it it's more of an abstract art piece right now than a than a Picasso, if you will. Okay, how how about this? And I'm gonna answer before I ask you. My question was gonna be with those two first round picks. If you really like a guy, let's say you get about fourteen, fifteen, that area. Do you trade up for a receiver and take one in the first round? Or do you take one in the first round at all if you just stay pouch his first two picks, right? Because I'm of the thought, I know it's a deep wide receiver draft, but there's somebody that I really love, let's say uh, Mr. Williams from Alabama, who I've been really high on. If he's there around 18, 19-ish, I'm thinking about trading up and taking that guy. I am. And I know what you're going to say probably you just love their wide receiver. You love the splash. And you know what? You're right. But am I wrong for loving that when I have Patrick Mahomes? When I see what happens with Aaron Rodgers, when they don't give him the weapons around him and they ask him just to be Superman every week, the only receiver he had was Devontae Adams. They never really drafted anybody high. So I'm all for giving Mahomes as many toys as possible. I know the defense has to be addressed. I'm not ignoring that, but I want one of those guys at receiver. I know you can get one in the second or third round. I get it, but no, I want that guy. I want a Jamison Williams. I want a Olave. I want a Garrett Wilson. You know what I'm trying to say? So I don't know where you stand on that. You want a box office smash every time you go to the movie theater. Like you are not happy unless the 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 production company has spent over thirty million on the production. You got the A-list actor in it. I need to get my money's worth, man. Yo, you're getting your money's worth. Fifteen is your quarterback for the next decade. You're telling me you're not getting your money's worth? Okay, the Packers have had Aaron Rodgers for the past decade. They only won one Super Bowl. You want to be? You want to be Aaron Rodgers in the Packers? We know that this is not a carbon copy of what is going on in Green Bay. You want to be Russell Wilson in Seattle? And this is and and I'm glad you said that too because I'm gonna I'm gonna bounce back to that I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, <laughs> I'm gonna come back to that I appreciate y'all rocking with us here on Chiefs Coast to Coast we're talking about uh, the Chiefs offense and, and how it might look without Tyree Kill uh, my rebuttal to that would be the the chemistry between the front office quarterback and head coach it's not the same in Green Bay it's not the same in Seattle. It, what you have here in Kansas City is special. And we talked last episode about maybe uh, Patrick Mahomes wielding a little bit more of his power when it comes to that relationship, as we've seen maybe Russell and Aaron Rodgers do in years past. But you'll cross that bridge when you get there. Right now, 
you have that synchronization. You have all three on the same page. And while it is not the Chiefs era of old with Kelsey and Hill and all these dynamic weapons, you still have a pretty solid team. I mean, I'm taking MVS, Juju, Kelsey, and Hardman as, like I said earlier, a 6 or a 7 out of 10. That's not a bad unit when you consider who's throwing them the ball, Mark Gunnels. I know it's not DK Metcalf. I know it's not Jamison Williams and Grant Olave and all these dudes that Mel Kiefer is going to drool over for the next week. But you have a solid unit, and you have guys that have played in the league already. Trust the process and at least let them get to training camp before you blow the whole damn thing up. Okay, so what's the earliest that you would take a receiver in the draft? My draft strategy is, we talked about it in a previous pod, and I'll touch on it again. I think if you're trading up, it's for a safety or an edge. Or you stay put and get your corner and your edge. I think wide receiver is deep, and I think that you really only need one or two guys. I was talking about this the other day. I don't remember what it was on, but what do you have in Cornell Powell? What do you have in Cornell Powell? What do you have in Noah Gray? These are two dudes that you invested resources in last year that you really have yet to see blossom yet. Another name I'll throw at you. Jody Fortson was an impact player in this offense before he got hurt. This was a guy that was seeing trust with Patrick Mahomes and was seeing the football, my boy. Uh, I'm just I, like, why blow up your resources to try and jump up in the top 10 or top 15 and get Jamison Williams uh, who's a rookie versus uh, just seeing what you got. Sometimes two in the hand is worth one in the bush. You ever heard that before? I've never heard that saying before. I can tell. I, I can absolutely. <laughs> hey, man, what do you mean by that, man? <laughs> two in the hand two in the hand versus one in the bush. I don't know where this originates from. Maybe this will be the new the new podcast title. But basically the saying is like, yo, the guaranteed two in the hand is – better than the possibility of what's behind door number one or what's behind door number two like it's like the it's like the let's make a deal game right like they'll hand you eight hundred dollars cash but then you'll say or you can take what's behind door number two and mark's dumbass will take the what's behind door number two and it's a broke down car that's not worth 250 and meanwhile (laughs) everything in the hand it's just uh it's just a difference in it's just a difference in philosophy. I would I would I wouldn't be surprised. And obviously, Topic Shane made some headlines on Chiefs Twitter saying that he believed the Chiefs were going to trade up uh, to get Jamison Williams. But I think the price is too high, man. I think the price is too high, and and I don't think that they're that far off um, from the production that they got from Tyree Kill last year. I don't think it's going to be the exact same. I know for damn sure it's not going to look the, the exact same with the highlight passes and the and the fastest man in the league type stuff. But I really don't think they're that far off. Well, something that is going to look the same is Calais Campbell in a Baltimore Ravens uniform. He just re-signed there a two-year deal, $6 million guaranteed, and he turned down the Chiefs. They were on his list. He's a six-time Pro Bowler. Obviously, he's not the same guy. He's up there in age, but he's still very good against the run. Is this a big deal that Chiefs missed out on him? Uh, it's a medium deal. I, I, I mean, my... I feel like every Chiefs fan's uh, panic meter as far as the defensive line and defensive line room. I mean, you got to be feeling a little, a little something. The number or the names and the numbers on there right now isn't really inspiring a lot of, uh, let's say, enthusiasm coming off last year's 
AFC Championship loss where they only had one sack. Uh, it was cool to see Derek Nottie back in the fold, and I know they've made some depth signing as well, but that's why my round strategy for them focuses around getting an impact player in the defensive line because you haven't done it yet. I know Frank Clark is back, but like I said, this conversation is about impact players along the defensive line. And uh, I would like to see them add somebody. Yeah, and um, once again, guys, if you have, have any questions, just send a request. We'll get to your questions here very soon because, to be quite frank, very quiet week for the Chiefs. So not a lot of news. So we're going to be wrapping up here pretty soon if you guys don't have any questions. And speaking of defensive line and getting somebody in here, how about getting somebody that was already here? Melvin Ingram. He took a visit with the Dolphins. Is he coming back, Aaron, or what's going on here? How much help does Tyreek Hill need in Miami, my boy? I mean, <laughs> I thought Tua was the most accurate quarterback in the league. <laughs> What's the defense, though, man? They're trying to get Melvin Ingram. They're trying to build up their pass rush down there in South Beach. I'm messing. No, it, it, it's a good it's a good look for him. Uh, obviously, it seems like the Chiefs have kind of drawn their line in the sand there. Uh, they uh, we'll see if anything happens. This is just reckless speculation at this point. It's just, it's just, it, it, I mean, Melvin Ingram is a guy KC would, would obviously appreciate to have back, but who knows? Who knows where he goes? I, mean, I thought he was going to be a guy that was like, ah, I'll catch y'all, you know, after y'all figure out the whole OTA thing and training camp, you know, that guy maybe necessarily don't, doesn't really thrill him to go out and, and be out in the early parts of the year. Call me when somebody really needs me. Um, and then when I saw him at Mahomes' wedding, I'm like, oh, this is this is cut. This is cool. I mean, it's it's a done deal. But uh, Miami seems to be on the radar now. Uh, somebody, anybody, please. Because, I, I mean, I saw a discussion on, on Chiefs Twitter about this possibly being bottom barrel unit league-wide. I wonder if the, I wonder if you would agree with that or say it's hyperbole. No, I would definitely agree with that, 100%. And if the Chiefs don't re-sign Melvin Ingram, that would be a pretty that would be a body blow. That would actually hurt a little bit because when the Chiefs traded for him, their defense instantly improved, like instantly. Just bringing his leadership, allowing Chris Jones to go back inside, and he was actually productive. I mean, if you look at the sack numbers, yeah, they're not there, but he was causing havoc. And I think he had a chip on his shoulder based on how the Chargers kind of just threw him to the side, you know, pretty much said, uh, you're done, you're older now. And then obviously with Pittsburgh, according to him, he wasn't used correctly. So Kansas City was a chance for him to find his resurgence and his second win, if you would. So it would kind of hurt if the Chiefs aren't able to resign him because I can I can't imagine his price tag being anything crazy. I mean, the guy is what? 34 years old, I believe. I think the whole thing is trying to get young talent and player and player development. Like we talked about Noah Gray and Cornell Powell and uh, who was another name I mentioned? Jody Fortson. But uh, what about Josh Kando? Uh, uh, another guy where, you know, you invested a resource in, you invested a draft pick in. Uh, he's in that unit. Last time I checked. Uh, what have you got from him production-wise? I know he's a guy that's under contract, and you talked about cheap price. Uh, some of those decisions got to be made too, Mark. Uh, I don't think that that 
I don't think we could just ignore that and say, hey, let's go get Melvin Ingram back again. I mean, like, you got to you got to you got to have depth pieces there, too. Melvin Ingram ain't going to be able to do it all on, him, on himself. Oh, no, I'm not saying just rely on getting Ingram in. That's it. Like, I'm still going to draft at least two edge rushers for sure. And I'm glad you mentioned Joshua Kane, though, because I literally tweeted about him about two weeks ago. I was like, he's kind of the forgotten guy. Like, do people realize he was a fourth-round pick? Like, that's not something you just take lightly. <laughs> and not to mention, the guy was a former five-star recruit out of high school. Obviously, things didn't pan out exactly how he wanted to at Florida State. But people always raved about his measurables, his athleticism. And we didn't really get to see him show any flashes because he got hurt last year in limited snaps. So there's still a lot of question marks there, a lot of untapped potential. And for Chiefs fans, I could see where they would feel uncomfortable if he has a big role this year because we didn't even see any flashes last year to make you believe that, okay, he could take that leap in year two because this will essentially be his rookie year. But, I mean, based on the measurables, the talent, the upside, all of that is there. But he has to get an opportunity. So out of the group of Kando, out of the group of Kando, Fortson, uh, Noah Gray, and Cornell Powell, who are you betting the house on to kind of emerge from that group? <laughs> oh, this is easy. It's Jody Fortson, 100%. I mean, before he got hurt, he was starting to come on. Remember that touchdown he caught against the Chargers, I believe, in the back of the end zone when he just <laughs> mossed like two people? I mean, he was starting to come along very, very well. And you saw the Chiefs use three tight end sets with him, Kelsey, and Noah Gray, or even uh, Blake Bell. So I think now, especially with no Tyreek Hill, you get a Jody Fortson back, you're going to see a lot of those formations moving forward. And not to mention, Noah Gray, let's show him some love too. I know he didn't have that many targets, but he cashed in on the opportunities that he did get. He didn't drop no passes, really. He was a very surprisingly good blocker. He actually was the lead blocker on that touchdown play from Tyreek Hill against the Bills on that crazy yak play he had uh, at the end of the fourth quarter. Watch the replay. Noah Gray was the lead blocker there. So there's some uh, room for excitement in that tight end room after Kelsey. That's classic, Mark, right? I ask you to pick one person and you name everybody on the list. You you go go into coaching after this, I swear. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, I just had to show Noah Gray some love, man. He had a quiet, uh, productive rookie year in limited snaps. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see those guys take the next step. I was kind of high on Cornell Powell when he came out, and that didn't really even materialize, not even really in camp. So, I mean, for a unit that's a down one Tyreek Hill, it would, uh, it would be nice to see him step up. Yeah, and I'm going to ask you one more question before we get out of here since we don't have no questions in the queue, man. They're quiet today, Aaron. You know, that that <laughs> is funny. Like, honestly, this time period, would we 16 days away from the draft? I don't believe a word I would see in the media, any of these <laughs> leaks, this Kuiper. I mean, like, everything you read from now on about the draft, please take it with a grain of salt and please don't overreact because a <laughs> lot of it, a lot of it. I would say, like, 45% of it is BS, Mark. It really is. <laughs> yeah. So, all right, my question for you, man. 
Who makes the bigger leap next year at linebacker, Willie Gay or Nick Bolton? Are we assuming that both stay healthy the whole time? Because I think that that's a, a – Yes, we're assuming both play all 17 games. Uh, in that equation, I guess Willie Gay takes the bigger leap because he wasn't completely healthy this time around. And if they both have the full complement of snaps, it's going to be tough, man. I, I think Nick Bolton's – floor is something that was astonishing to see in his rookie year and I was a Nick Bolton denier from the very jump as a Mizzou fan I said oh he's too slow he's gonna be in the AFC West with Herbert who throws 40 times a game he's gonna get turned around and get embarrassed and it's not gonna work it worked and I looked like an idiot from the jump street uh, and was very happy to see him flourish in KC. And his floor is just something that, I mean, you're going to ride with. I mean, he, he might lead your team in tackle in tackles every year for his career, potentially, with his downhill explosiveness, his one-read ability, uh, his ability to finish the tackle once he gets there. Uh, I, if I'm a betting man, I, take, I say Nick Bolton because you just know at the very base level his foundation is one of the best young linebackers in the league. That's fair. But I'm going to say Willie Gay because I, I think his ceiling is much higher. And I think he's going to reach that ceiling this year. I mean, he showed flashes last year. He's one of those guys. He's a sideline to sideline guy. He fits perfectly today in today's NFL with the spread offenses and pass heavy schemes. He can guard tight ends. He can stuff the run. I mean, and he had, like, I believe three or four drop picks last year. I mean, if he could just figure out a way to hold on to the ball, he could have some splash plays as well in coverage. So I, I truly believe if he could stay healthy, Willie Gay, I'm going to say it right now. You know what? I got you right now, Aaron. We're recording this. I'm glad we are. Book this right now. Willie Gay will be a pro bowler next year. Mm. I'm saying it right now. He's going to make the pro bowl. I'm that high on Willie Gay, man. I've been high on him since they drafted him out of Mississippi State. He has all the intangibles that you want for a linebacker in today's NFL. Willie Gay, a pro bowler in 2022. I'm marking it down. I'm not putting my house on it because I'm already homeless from your first time you said to mark it down on episode one. How are you homeless with Wi-Fi? If, you know, I'm at the local library right now. Oh, okay, okay. Got me, they got me hooked up. I'm in like a little quiet study room here and, and, and you know, just camped out. But, uh, you know, next time, now that you now that you said me to put my house on another thing, you know, I, I I'll see what I can do. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. We're gonna get your house back, man, next year. I promise. With these bets, yo, yo. I'm a, I'm a, I'm gonna front you. I'm gonna front you some money so I can get you back on your feet. You know what I'm saying? I'm gonna front you, dog. You such an LA guy now, man. It's like, <laughs> yo, this man is front cash. <laughs> you Hollywood. Neil Armstrong is, is Hollywood. Oh man, hey, thank you guys for tuning in. Another special episode of Coast to Coast. See you guys next week, man. We're out.